All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. Today, we're discussing a very serious topic that all Australians need to listen to. Um, I have a personal aspect to this story, um, and I hope that today that we can raise awareness, crush some misconceptions, and I also have a way that we can all join as a team to work together to help save as many lives as possible. I'm joined today with Belinda and Wes from the Australian Red Cross Lifeblood. Belinda and Wes, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Michael. I have, again, I don't know where to start. There are so many questions I want to ask you and so many things I want to talk about. But on the topic of, of giving blood, um, I wanted to sort of start off with, I guess, the first main question that a lot of people probably would ask. And sometimes something that may prevent some people from thinking they can give blood, but who actually can give blood? Well, more people can than you'd think, actually. And, and obviously, there are reasons why you may not be able to give blood. And, and those reasons are there for the safety of the donor and, and the safety of the person receiving blood at the other end. But more commonly than not, you will be able to give blood if you're aged over 18 and uh, in pretty good health at the time. And, and, and we do have a quiz on our website at lifeblood.com.au that you can do um, just to find out if you're eligible or you can always give us a call or jump on and have a look on that website or our app. So, um, yeah, more often than not, people can give blood, but the statistics say that actually only one in three of uh, so one in thirty of us give blood, but one in three mm. of us will need it at some time in our life. Yeah, wow, wow. So it's yes, yeah, so, so most likely there is something that's potentially stopping people from giving blood, or, or I guess some people probably haven't even thought of it before. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those people. For years, I know about some friends that have been giving blood, but it's, I guess it just takes that extra step to actually do that check and actually just book a time to go in and, and do it. Yeah, um, that's right. I mean, a lot of people, it's not on their radar. They might yeah. they might not know anyone who's needed blood or, or know of know of that situation. and Or, or they might not work somewhere where, where encourages it or where other people do or haven't grown up with parents or friends that donate. So, a lot of our donors that do donate have a reason why, whether it be, you know, a personal connection or, or they just grew up with their parents doing it and it's just a normal thing to do, uh, or if their workplace encourages them and gives them time off to do it as well. Yeah, that's true. And, and 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 the other thing as well that I've heard a few times is that if somebody has a tattoo or if they've travelled overseas that they can't give blood as well. Yes, yes. And there are reasons. There are certain countries that um, doesn't prohibit you from giving blood forever um, but okay. there are you know things like malaria so there are certain deferrals in place to say you know come back in x amount of time you know but the tattoo one is interesting actually because it used to be a six month deferral then it was a four month deferral and now actually if you have a, a tattoo in um, a licensed tattoo premise you actually don't have to wait at all. You can absolutely donate blood straight or plasma straight away. Okay, okay, that actually helps a lot because again, that's again one of the main things that people hear. And I guess if somebody hasn't given blood before, they literally are just going off what they've heard from friends or family or probably read online as well. Yeah, and there, there have been many changes over the years 
to the rules. But um, and a lot of people think, you know, if they lived in the UK at all, they can't give blood, and and yes. obviously um, that's not the case. There are there is a time period from eighteen um, nineteen eighty to nineteen ninety six when the uh, the mad cow was over there um, that you you can actually donate for that reason. Yes. But many people lived there outside of those years, but just assume because they've heard of the mad cow deferral that they can't. Okay. And and if you can sort of explain the process as well, because that, it was a bit new to me, um, again, never giving blood. And when I after the first time, you, it's very, to me, it was very simple. But if you can sort of just explain the process to those that haven't given blood before. Sure. Um, what's involved before the appointment, during the appointment, um, and what they can expect. Sure, I'll pass that one over to Wes. Wes is the uh, the expert in that area, I think. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, first of all, we ask our donors to make an appointment. So um, they can do that either online or giving us a call on our 131495 number or by our Donate Blood app. And through that process, we do double-check your eligibility. So there are, as Belinda mentioned, a number of measures where you can do an eligibility quiz on our website um, or you can, um, over the phone, we'll ask you some questions and that just minimises the likelihood that when you come in to give blood plasma or platelets that you are unable to donate. So just um, reinforcing what Belinda said just to make sure it's safe for, for you as a donor to come in um, and also for someone to receive your blood. Um, and from then, um, we ask you to, to prepare um, really well for your um, donations. So giving blood um, preparation is extremely important. So we ask you to, to drink um, for, a, for a male eight glasses of water the day before your appointment. If you're a female, um, 10 glasses of water, um, as well as uh, on the day of your donation, um, have at least a litre in the three hours before you donate and something to eat. So that preparation side of things with donating blood just really um, helps to um, ensure that your, your donation on the day is going to be successful and you're going to feel well during and after. So um, that preparation side of things is is really important. Um, on donation day, um, basically we'll just, um, in one of our donor centres or our mobiles, we'll just get you to do a donor questionnaire, which basically just um, is an extension of our eligibility criteria and it just um, goes through any reasons that you may not be able to donate just to make sure it's safe for you to donate and safe for someone to receive your um, blood products. Uh, from there, we'll take you into an interview, which will basically just um, go into your donor questionnaire in a bit more detail. Our nurses will ask you some questions on your um, donor questionnaire, take your haemoglobin and your blood pressure, which um, every time you come in to our donor centres or our mobiles just to ensure that it is safe for you at that time to donate. Um, and from there, um, we'll take you on to our donor floor. So basically, um, a whole blood donation will take between 6 and, and 10 minutes um, to complete. Um, our plasma donations, um, around 45 minutes. And platelets, which is another type of donation you can give, takes a little bit longer. Um, so um, once you finish your donation, our nurses will just take you through to our refreshment area where they'll um, give you something to eat and drink and, and have a bit of a, a sit down to rest for, for 10 minutes before you leave. So, um, yeah, all in all, for, for a whole blood donation, time in centres um, around an hour for a new donor and for plasma and platelet donors, a little bit longer than that. Yeah, okay. So it's literally not your whole day just, that's disappeared, basically. It's not, no. Um, yeah. And, and I'll, I mean, just to put it out there as well, the app, I use the app regularly. It's actually really easy to book an appointment and reschedule using the app as well. And it's makes, and there are so many different times, um, especially where I live here. So it's it's not limited to specific times of the day, uh, which helps. Yeah, we, we try and uh, we understand that people, you know, can't always donate during business hours. So many yeah. of our centers are seven days a week now. And we have wow. early mornings and late evenings. So, you know, we might open at 7 a.m. or 
um, in, in many of our centres and, and stay open late, you know, late at night time as well, just so that we can be as flexible and get as many people as we can into donating when it's easy and convenient for them. Yeah. Um, and Wes, apart from one of my favourite things about going, which is the snacks straight after, yeah. um, you mentioned three ways of giving blood, which is um, the whole blood, plasma and platelets. Uh, pallets. Platelets. Yeah, platelets. Yeah. platelets. Can you sort of just explain the difference between them as well? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a whole blood donation um, basically is the quickest type of donation you can give, and that's basically when you donate um, the three components of your blood. So that's your red cells, um, your plasma, and your platelets. Um, and from that, those donations are separated into the three components um, and given. So that's why we say every blood donation saves three lives, because upon receiving that, um, we can separate those um, three products and give them to three different people. Um, so when you um, give a whole blood donation, it's around so six to 10 minutes um, with the plasma donation. So basically a plasma donation, you're giving a full volume of um, plasma. So plasma is the most versatile component of our blood. So um, we're just finding more and more ways um, for it to be used. It's currently can be used to make 18 different life-saving treatments. So primarily um, helping cancer patients people that um, have been through fires, so burn victims, people with liver and kidney disease. So basically it's a, a component of our blood and a type of donation that we're asking more and more donors to give because we are finding more and more ways to use it. So um, it is yeah, extremely useful and, and very versatile. And people may not know that you can give plasma and now we can actually take a, a plasma donation from a donor for the first time. But historically we needed or we asked donors to give a whole blood donation first and then if they were eligible for plasma uh, we'd speak to them about that but now the exciting thing is that donors can actually um, give plasma for the first time which is is um, a great thing and it just helps us to increase our plasma donor panel and, and basically um, have those plasma products available for, for recipients that are needing them when they need them. Yep. Um, and platelets finally so platelets um, are a type of component of our um, blood that are used primarily for cancer patients so um, if cancer patients are going through um, cancer treatment um, they require platelets to help clot their blood so it prevents them from bleeding out um, during that treatment process so basically there's three different types of donations um, and donations that help different people at different stages they need them for yeah. And, and also I, I, from, from what I've seen as well, depending on what type of donation you make, it, it, it affects how soon you can give blood next. Is that right? Because I think whole blood is every three months. Correct. Yeah. So you can give um, whole blood quarterly. So every 12 weeks. So um, for our mobile network, for example, we schedule our mobile um, units quarterly. So the cycle that people can donate whole blood. So it keeps it in that regular cycle. Um, whereas with plasma, you can give plasma and platelets every fortnight. Um, so if you were to give a whole blood donation today, you'd be eligible again for plasma week's time and then you can um so we do have a lot of donors that do give those two types of donations concurrently so they give their whole bloods quarterly um and give plasma in the interim so four weeks after your whole blood and then every two weeks up to your next whole blood so really it comes down to i guess the donor and what they have time to do and also yes. what they're eligible for. so for plasma donations you do need to have quite a good vein and be um it'd be suitable for your particular blood type so yeah we ask you know it, basically if you can give however much time you have and and one of the questions that i'm asked by friends um when i tell them that i've just given blood 
because when I do give blood, I do try to mention it to as many people as possible, again, to help raise that awareness. And I mean, I only give blood because of an experience that I went through, but if hopefully spreading the discussion and the purpose of today even is just to get more people thinking about it. But one of the first questions I hear is, um, does it hurt? I mean, I'll share my personal experience and I'll just say I hate needles. Like I literally hate needles. But apart from that needle just going in, personally speaking, like it's, it literally is just a second, if that. Is that a question that's, that you would probably hear quite a bit from people? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's one of the biggest fears that people have that might deter them from donating is, yep. is you know, do, does it hurt? No, I mean, a lot of, no one probably enjoys a needle. Um, but you're right. It, it is a very, very short <laughs> moment of discomfort. Yep. And it actually feels more like a pinch. And and after people have donated for the first time, particularly the nervous ones, they're always quite pleasantly surprised at how little it hurts. And, yeah. and you know, and, and the good, a good way to think of it is the people needing the blood in hospitals and going through treatment, they don't just have one short moment of discomfort having a needle. They may have so many needles and yeah. treatments and transfusions. So one very, very small pinch <laughs> on the inside of your arm is, is, um, is over very quickly and, you know, it, it you save three lives in that tiny yeah. amount of time. So that one hour you're in in the donor center, that ten minutes you're in the chair donating blood, that blood will go to three different patients and help save their lives. So it's yeah. it's a pretty spectacular thing you can think to, that that you can do, and I think that's something that really helps people overcome that fear is the fact that the people you know who need that blood are going through so much more and what they're giving is, is priceless. Yeah, that, that's so true. Like you've, 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 you couldn't have said that any better because the, the one feeling that I'll always remember is yes, I hate needles and I hate that one second, but I, when I leave, I don't think about that. I just think about the, like it's, it's that self fulfilling feeling, I guess that, that, that happiness knowing that you've sort of helped someone and that it is going to make a difference. Um, and I don't know if this is something that always happens but I for the since I started giving blood I get text messages the day after or sometimes yeah. even on the same day when it's been used and it'll actually say Michael this your blood today was used at this hospital um, which again is it just makes it so real because even though I'm not there to see it happening just just that text message is which I actually th first thought was fake when I first got it right. I was like oh it's great marketing but I was actually talking to someone like the week after that works for the Red Cross um, in an Uber ride actually he was an Uber driver and he was telling me no no he's like that actually is true like as soon as it happens it actually like you get that text message so mm -hmm. it's it's as real as anything yeah it absolutely um, is and that you you know goes to show that um, you know, really, it really hits home with people that text message, and it just it just reminds them actually, you know, a day or two ago, whenever that is, they gave blood, and actually that's on its way to, and it tells you, like you said, it tells you what hospital, and so it could be a hospital close by, it could yeah. be anywhere in Australia, depending on what where what blood is needed where, and it's just nice to know you don't know who it helps, but it's nice to know it's helping somebody somewhere. Definitely. It's, and it's such a big talking point to a lot of groups that come in and um, that come in with, say, four donors initially and they come and donate a lot of companies and they speak about that text message internally amongst their colleagues when they receive it and it really is a, an amazing way to recruit new donors too because they share screenshots of it internally. And I'll just tell you a really quick personal story. Last week I was down on the Gold Coast with my mum and mum's a donor down at our Southport Blood Donor Centre and we were around by the pool 
Lamani's place and um, mum got a phone because she got a text message and I saw this smile come across her face from the other side of the pool and I said, oh, what's your text message, mum? And she's like, oh, I just got a text to say that my blood donation was just used at the Southport Cancer Clinic and she was just so happy and it was, yeah, just a really cool thing to see. Yeah, no, it's it's it, it really is. It really is. And it's I always forget I'm about to get the t- like oh, that I'm, I don't expect the text, but it just when it comes through, it's always a surprise as well. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's a feeling that it's is too hard to explain in words, um, to be honest. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. What, what, and one, one last misconception on that point that I wanted to sort of ask you as well is, is it healthy to give blood? Because there's a myth that health deteriorates after donating blood. And I mean, this is something I heard from, I think it was family members years ago, you know, that, oh no, giving blood's really bad for you and all, you know, and I'm sure you get this question asked to you a lot. Um, so if you could sort of help us tackle that. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, it's a huge misconception. It's, that's abs- and your blood is replenished much faster than the 12 weeks before you can donate again. But, you know, we, we have those, those that time period in place just for absolute safety. But it's an absolute misconception that you're, that it is in, in any way um, bad for you. And, and I've read many stories about people saying it's good for you because, you know, your blood, your blood cells are at, at different ages, in, you know, within you and, and, um, and they die off and they regenerate. So, you know, yeah. giving blood, you're, you're regenerating more blood um, and you always do regenerate blood. So that it is not in any way, shape or form. Um, a bad thing to do, and many people think it's a, a good thing to do. I mean, it's it's certainly not um, detrimental in any way to the donor, and we have such strict guidelines and safety practices. Um, yeah, no, I've noticed that they yeah. take it. The, the nurses have like they take it just as serious as any medical procedure. Yeah, um, that's right. It's happening, and um, you know, and, and obviously in terms of the amount taken and, and that sort of thing as well, it's all it's all very strictly adhered to. And then when yeah. you donate plasma you're getting your red cells back. So it's only the plasma portion of your blood that is taken and that's replaced with saline. So no volume um, is lost. Hence why you don't have to wait three months and you can give blood two weeks later. Yeah, yeah. So that plasma, um, you're not losing any red cells, so you're not losing any iron. Um, yep. And, yeah, and it's just that that volume because plasma is, is the, you know, the proteins and that sort of thing in your blood. And so that volume is replaced with saline it um everything's replenished very quickly and it's absolutely safe to donate um yeah. fortnight later yeah and on that note actually just one other misconception that i've heard as well um this is this is before i gave blood i was doing some research is um that if you're low in iron you can't give blood but apparently that's not the case at all especially if if, if it's not whole blood is that correct yeah we obviously check we do a number of checks to make sure it's safe for you to donate and one of them is a little hemoglobin check so it's a little finger yeah. prick and we test with a little machine, we test your hemoglobin levels. The level to give whole blood has to be higher than the plasma. That's because you lose some red cells in the whole blood donation. So some people prefer to give plasma because they're not losing any of those red yes. cells. So the hemoglobin level to give plasma is is lower, the, um, yes. the benchmark. But you do have to have, you um, I mean, you obviously can't donate if you're anemic or if you have very low hemoglobin levels, but that is something that is checked prior to your donation. Okay. And, and on that note, if we can just discuss some of the benefits of giving blood. So we've spoken about um, saving other people's lives. We've spoken about, I guess, that feeling of that personal feeling um, that a donor gets. But um, 
if we can discuss the, the personal health benefits apart, like apart from you know what you've mentioned, um, Belinda. So when and this is like this is a personal experience that I wanted to talk about, a personal story that Wes, I know you were very close to this as well, where giving blood, giving with those health checks that happen just before you go into the, the main floor to, to give blood, uh, those checks sometimes can save someone's life if something comes up. And Wes, I'd love for you to explain the story, but this is, again, for the purpose of privacy, I won't mention any names. Um, but I'll, I will say that this was actually a client of mine, um, and this is literally the main reason that I personally give blood um, to this day. Uh, but Wes, if you can just I- explain the story and how this person, you know, and just sort of explain how this person giving blood gave this person extra time and could have potentially that can can potentially save someone's life. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, in addition to what Belinda said, I think a lot of donors do look at giving blood as having that regular quarterly fortnightly um, checkup, so a health check, um, and Linda mentioned, you know, you do have your um, haemoglobin and your blood pressure tested when you come in to give blood. Um, and in this case, um, when your client, your client came in um, and had been urged um, by her husband, I think for quite a while, um, her husband reg- is a regular plasma donor and comes in to donate with us every fortnight, even to this day. Um, He's an absolute champion. He really is. Um, and so basically... Um, client um, ended up coming in to donate um, with her husband. Um, first time couldn't donate because her iron was too low. Came back, um, I think, about four weeks later um, after she was given some information on ways to increase your iron levels, so um, through iron supplements or information we gave her. Um, came back in, um, did her first donation, so was incredibly happy with what she'd done. Um, we still have, to this day, a picture um, of her in our donor centre donating in that chair for the first time. Um, and from that um, was contacted by one of our medical officers very shortly after she donated um, with some information to say that her iron was incredibly low um, and that she needed to get to um, a doctor, a general practitioner as soon as possible as a matter of urgency. Um, your client um, told me that she sat on that letter for a couple of weeks and hadn't actioned it immediately. We'd recontacted her back to see how things had gone and um, she mentioned that she hadn't gone in yet um, and we urged her to get in to see a doctor to that, that day. So she ended up making an appointment coming in and from that information that we provided um, was actually detected that she was in the initial stages of cancer and had um, cancer cells um, in her body. From that, um, basically started treatment straight away. So um went through multiple rounds of chemotherapy treatment, received hundreds of transfusions of whole blood plasma and platelets. That was just in her initial round of of treatment. It ended up subsiding and then um, relapsed. Um, So she needed more blood products um, to come back through. Actually eventuated that basically blood products weren't enough for her anymore and needed a bone marrow transplant. So she was lucky enough to have a sibling that was a perfect 10 out of 10 match for her um, who donated his stem cells. But in the end, um, sadly, um, your client passed away basically because her, her body just could not adapt to, to those stem cells, even though um, her sibling was or her brother was a perfect match. But throughout that treatment and even when she perhaps wasn't feeling like doing what she she did to support us um your client was never said no to anything we asked of her every presentation she would come to do with me every time a a group was organized to come in to donate on her behalf nothing was ever too much and to the day 
prior that she passed away, she was always so incredibly thankful for that nurse that put that needle in um, in that donor centre because um, without it, um, she would say, she said multiple times in presentations that we did together that she would not have had those extra three and a half, four years um, of life mm-hmm. with her family, uh, with her daughters and with her husband. So she was just incredibly grateful when um, any moment she got to promote blood donation and plasma donation. Um, she was always there on the, on the front line um, doing her absolute best to recruit new donors for us. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it, it really, it makes it as real as anything, doesn't it? Just hearing something like that. And it's, it, it, like what you said, if it wasn't diagnosed, um, I think she would she would have only had about months months um, left to, to, to live. So it's yeah, she had an incredibly aggressive um, form of cancer, and and um, her dying wish to her husband was that she asked him to give a hundred donations, and he did that in our donor center few months back and we had a big celebration for him because he was extremely happy and extremely emotional of, of being able to to um i guess yeah to complete what she'd asked of him yeah of course and and i guess in savings other people's lives in a way she she got some of her life back or she was able to save some of her life and give her that extra time yeah absolutely and seeing those people come in to donate um as part of her lifeblood team um and through presentations just brought so much joy to her face because she could see the importance of of new blood donors and and she had been in that position of um, sitting in hospital waiting for those platelets to come through um so yeah um and and on that on that note as well um because at the moment, would we be oversupply of blood in Australia? Would we have just enough supply? Would you say that we're undersupply? I mean, based on the, the statistic you gave before, Belinda, we're quite undersupply because I think you said only one in three, only one in 30 donate, yet one in three need it. Was that right? Yeah, we're very lucky in Australia to have one of the safest blood supplies in the world. And all of our donors are voluntary donors. And, and you know, at the moment we... We we go through, we it goes through periods you know there are certain times of the year where it's a challenge um you know Christmas yep. for example everyone's yes. on holidays it's summer people are, you know might be travelling not so much at the moment but people are travelling and and spending time with their family and it's not necessarily top of mind to donate at that time of year so we often have to put the call out you know yep. and through through the media and and through emails and phone calls and messages to get those people in and donating. And we have, we have um, a forecast of how much blood we will need. We can, we can predict the demand for blood plasma and platelets. So we roughly know what we need. And if we're looking yes. like we're not going to meet that, that's when we have to put that call out. So, and we often see a wonderful response. We're very fortunate to have brilliant donors who will donate regularly um, and people willing to overcome fears and, and roll up their sleeves. But, yeah, there are times where, you know, we absolutely are low and we need to put that call out to make sure we get those donations for all those patients that, that can't travel or can't spend Christmas with their family because they're in hospital. Yeah, and, and just to stress one big fact is that if somebody is listening to this, they don't have to regularly give blood. They could literally just do it once. But I guess like anything, once you do it once, you'll figure out it's actually not that bad and there's a lot more satisfaction that you'll get out of it and you'll probably want to do it again, but even just giving blood just that first time and doing it even once a year um, yeah. just to know the process and be familiar with it, I think is valuable. Absolutely. And and actually a lot of people give once and don't come back. I think they kind of just tick it off their list. But yep. we we found, we did some stats and we found that if everyone just gave one more time than they have, 
if everyone just donated that once more, then we, yes. then we would nearly have to call out as much as we do. We would be in a much yes. better position. So we just urge everyone to, to make a donation and, and make that one more or try and make it regularly once, twice, three times a year. Whatever you can do will yep. really make such a difference. It's, it's, it's anonymous, but you're, you know, you're an absolute hero for doing it and it, and it'll, it'll help someone somewhere in the country. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and and one last thing, Wes, you mentioned um, Lifeblood Teams. So I'd love to share, I want to share with with you all that um, through Wes, I've set up a Lifeblood team called Sharing More Than The Sheets. Um, I, I think the name sort of suits, the title suits the, the cause in a way. Um, but Wes, can you just explain how people can join this team? Um, and I guess f- for me, it's about accountability because as a financial advisor, a big part of what we do is accountability. Um, and having being part of a team, and having this team will mean that we could track um, the number of donations through it. it was, is it just as simple as that? Does telling somebody that they'd like to be on the team when they donate? It is, yeah. It's it's really simple and it's just that initial registration process. So basically Lifeblood Teams, um, for a quick summary, is just Lifeblood's corporate social responsibility blood donation program. Um, so it's an all-encompassing program that a lot of corporates throughout Australia, community groups, universities, TAFE colleges, um, water church groups, any sort of entity that wants to partner with Lifeblood, um, do so through Lifeblood teams. And it just allows us to report back um, to you as an organisation with exactly what you said, Michael, how many donations and how many lives you've saved together. So um, a lot of corporates use it as that corporate responsibility piece, but a lot of community groups and, and universities do use it as that community um, initiative that they partake partake in so um, really it's just that initial registration piece so if you're an existing donor next time you come in to donate with us or um, either online um, or when you're in center you just ask to join your sharing more than the sheets lifeblood team and any new donors can also do that when they contact us to book an appointment um, and then all future donations um, no matter where in the country they're given will go towards your online tally and it just allows you with your clients to be able to report um, through everyone to show what your um what you've done together and what you've achieved. So it's just that reporting mechanism internally, just sort of, I guess, congratulate everyone on what they're doing. And it's, I think at the end of the day, everyone likes to feel part of a team. They like to feel included. So, um, yep. you know, at the moment, you know, a lot of corporates um, are working remotely, but people going out and still donating on their own times to make them feel as though they're part of that team wherever they're donating. Yeah, that's it. So sharing more than the sheets. They, they literally just need to say that they want to be part of that team when they give blood. And hopefully together we could, try to save as many lives as possible. We can, we can only do our best. And I guess giving blood is very, I think it's, it's a very small deed compared to what the team at the Australian Red Cross do and the nurses and the doctors that are on, are on the front line and see the people that need these, need, need these donations um, and administer them for, I guess in a, in a first with my podcast show, I, with all my episodes, I finished them off with a dad joke. Um, today, I've, I had a dad joke prepared, but I think out of respect for the seriousness of this topic um, and what we spoke about, I think it's best that I don't drop that dad joke and save it for, for another episode. And I just want to finish on that final note to just whoever's listening to this episode, if you can possibly think of donating even just once, um, it will make a massive difference. And I promise you, um, you will not regret it. Um, Belinda and Wes, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And again, Thank you for all the work that you do and please just keep it up and a massive, massive thank you on behalf of Australia. Oh, thank you so much for having us. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for joining us on Sharing More Than The Sheets. 
please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.